Welcome to the Mornings with Sue and Andy podcast for Monday, January 31st. We begin with a look at the trucker convoy in protest of COVID mandates and restrictions over the weekend. We speak with Global News political correspondent Rachel Gilmore for a roundup of the weekend rally and a look ahead to what's next for the movement as some protesters have remained in the nation's capital. Could it be that cannabis could be used to prevent or treat COVID-19? Well, according to a new study out of Oregon State University, it just may. We discuss the research with Dr. Ted Jablonski, our on-call family physician. RRSPs, TFSAs, what is the difference and what is the best tool for reaching your financial goals? We get details on how to make the most of your money just in time for tax season with best-selling author and personal finance educator, Kelly Keene. And finally, it's another edition of Motivational Monday. This time out, we speak with Amy Hutton from Inch by Inch Empowerment. We hear about Amy's work with LGBTQ2S plus youth and her tips on how to live your most authentic life. Uh, the trucker rallies on Parliament Hill have died down but haven't dispersed yet. Is this the end of the road or, or what comes next? With insight into the rally at Parliament Hill over the weekend, we are joined by Rachel Gilmore, political correspondent for Global News. Good morning to you, Rachel. Hey, thanks for having me on. Thank you for being here on a Monday morning, which again, uh, lots of the activity taking place over the weekend. As we mentioned, not quite over yet, but let's let's go over the weekend. Lots of people, lots of vehicles and noise. Did the numbers live up to what was expected and anticipated, Rachel? Well, given that expectations, you know, uh, the highest number we heard was 1.7 million, which would be one in 30 Canadians <laughs> descending on Parliament Hill. Uh, I would say it definitely fell short of that, uh, but it was still a sizable crowd. We saw, I believe, about 10,000 people was the estimate at its peak. Um, things have definitely dwindled down a fair bit now, though. Um, that every other morning this week, I've been woken up by nonstop honking, and this was the first morning where... Uh, I had a nice little peaceful wake up. <laughs> so there's only been intermittent honking today. So what's happening with those that are left? Will they be left to stay in Ottawa as long as they choose? Because some of the truckers have said they were going to stay there as long as the mandates are in place or until they're lifted. So what are police saying about that? So police, I believe, are trying to sort of disperse things, trying to make sure that roads are clear, especially for emergency vehicles, because downtown Ottawa was truly a gridlock in the last few days. Lots of businesses, stores, uh, inaccessible and, you know, choosing to shut down. But uh, if protesters, you know, there's a small group of them that are quite resolute about staying in town, you know, just going to the grocery store on the weekend, I saw some stocking up on huge bottles of water. Um, So I do think that there is an intention from a chunk of the protesters to stay for as long as they can. You know, some of the images that we did see were, of course, protesters dancing and reportedly urinating on the grave of the unknown soldier, uh, wondering if there were any charges uh, being laid in in that incident or if there's been any, uh, you know, uh, police presence that related that, uh, you know, followed up with charges due to the weekend's events. Yeah, so all we know right now is that the Ottawa police are um, conducting several criminal investigations, they said, um, after the uh, monuments being defaced and, you know, um, they said desecrated as well. Um, Obviously, that was something that was quite hurtful to a number of individuals. We saw legions and the Terry Fox Foundation both condemning uh, the protesters for behaving in those ways. Um, So I think we'll we'll just kind of wait and see what happens there. Obviously, there were huge crowds, so it's a bit difficult to... uh, you know, necessarily identify people, although very few of them had masks on, which I'm sure will help the police in their investigation. 
Rachel, how difficult has the rally been to cover? How, how has the media been received on site in Ottawa? Well, I can tell you uh, from personal experience, I, I walked through the crowd on Saturday. Um, I went through fairly early. Um, I pulled up a turtleneck to hide my N95, but my colleague uh, didn't have the same sort of accessories as me to be able to hide his N95, and he was immediately called a commie um, and told to remove his mask. But I will say, you know, that early in the day, it was more of a sort of... Um, cheerful atmosphere but as the day progressed a number of my colleagues noted that the mood sort of turned there were a number of people drinking and uh you know a ctv reporter actually had a beer can for like thrown at himself and his cameraman we saw a number of protesters try to disrupt live hits um many individuals uh you know sort of saying that the media is the virus so uh it wasn't exactly a warm reception uh and you know that was part of why i when I was reporting and, you know, sort of uh, moving around the crowds, I, I tried not to identify myself except for in the moments where I had to because of the reporting, because uh, it was definitely a bit hostile towards media, that's for sure. Rachel, I know it's still, you know, just after nine o'clock in the morning there, but I'm wondering if you can tell us how many people are still left on Parliament Hill, an estimate there, and, and uh, the state of the city as far as security and, and those businesses and, uh, you know, organizations close to Parliament Hill still shut down? Yeah, so um, in terms of Parliament Hill itself, it's definitely a smaller number, although some are still there. Um, in terms of the downtown core, more broadly, things are definitely a bit quieter. Um, as I mentioned, you know, uh, in a previous days by now, where there's been pretty much incessant honking, and it's actually kind of quiet right now, <laughs> which is nice. Um, as for the businesses, though, uh, Rideau Centre is shut, um, as uh, we heard that there was an intention to do sort of a maskless shopping uh through the downtown mall so there's definitely a fair number of businesses that are still closed i know liquor stores were closed as well what about the schools today rachel i know there was some question about whether the schools would be open and and whether folks would even want to send their kids to school today yeah so there was a statement from the ottawa police yesterday that you know told uh parents if their if their children are attending schools downtown they might not want to go i'm not totally sure which schools are open and closed today um but it's definitely a consideration. I mean, the, the downtown core, uh, just speaking personally from doing my grocery shopping on the weekend, uh, it, it's a very intense atmosphere. And, uh, you know, a lot of people are choosing to stay away. I had a friend who had a mask on and got a snowball thrown at her face <laughs> when she was walking around with a mask on. So, you know, it, it's definitely a bit tense out there. And uh, a lot of parents, I think, are choosing to uh, navigate that in their own ways. I'm just wondering, you know, I was thinking back and uh, speaking with, uh, you know, Sue about this in the sense that if I was an Ottawa resident and had anything to get done over the weekend, I would have probably did my best to, to, to get out of town. Did you did you hear from any Ottawa residents who did just that? So I, I didn't. All of my friends who live downtown uh, told me that, you know, they kind of stayed put. Uh, definitely were frustrated because they couldn't go to the LCBO. And, you know, it's a bit difficult going to the grocery store mm. because there were many individuals who are maskless. But uh, I didn't hear of anyone taken off, uh, although I'm sure that some who had other options probably may have. Well, we appreciate the update, Rachel. Thanks so much for joining us this morning. Thanks for having me on. Thank you, Rachel Gilmore, our political correspondent for Global News in Ottawa. I'm just happy and, and you know, that nobody got hurt. I mean, in the yes. end, you get that many people together, that many emotions. I agree. As she said, I mean, there's nothing to sneeze at, 10,000, the estimated number, um, you know, but yeah, far from, I heard a half million, we heard one, like she said, over and one granted, million. And granted, there were a lot of people there. Oh, yeah. It was big, for I sure. Mean, it's on a lot of people's minds, but to that point, maybe, in my opinion, misdirected in the sense that these truckers can't go across 
the border freely anyway due to the restrictions in the U.S. if we were to lift everything here. Um, you know, and of course, still in our province at Coots, we've got that issue. Yeah. Uh, Rob texting in to say, I support the Freedom Convoy big time. I support the idea of all health mandates being lifted and leave it up to individuals to make personal health and social decisions. But I think the truckers and protesters should leave now. Their point has been made. It was big. It was encouraging. But the longer they stay, the more things will go wrong and the more Canadians will resent them. It's time to leave while keeping up the pressure on politicians to end the restrictions. Great text, Rob. Thanks. Good point. And that's something we talked about is knowing your audience. Like, for example, if you can't get groceries and you're in Ottawa, that's an issue. And the, the everyday average citizen wants yeah. to get food on the table for their family. That's a problem. Jennifer makes a great point, though. This is Canada, right? No businesses set ablaze, no rocks or bricks thrown. Call it a win when compared to previous protests. So I would uh, agree with you on that one. Thankfully, that didn't happen, but they are investigating. And yes, people did pee on yeah. the grave of the unknown soldier, whether uh, there was a texture who didn't believe it. It did happen. It, and it people happened. were yeah. pooping around the city as well. Could it be that cannabis would be a useful tool to prevent COVID-19? Well, according to a new study com- coming out of Oregon State University, that may be the case. With details on the research, we're joined by Dr. Ted Jablonski, our on-call family physician. Good morning to you, Dr. J. Good morning. Okay, we've heard a lot of interesting ideas to treat or even prevent COVID-19 over the past couple of years. This one does sound a little out there. Can you tell us about the study? Well, the study was basically looking at cannabinoids and some of the chemicals in cannabinoids. And could this have some impact on uh, COVID actually getting into cells? And it actually showed some promise. So this is fascinating. So we know with with, uh, uh, cannabis, it has a CBD component and a THC component. The THC is a psychoactive component, is what's used recreationally. The cannabinoid side or the CBD side is always what's been touted as the medical side or what might have some medicinal uh, properties. And, and what they found in the study is that if you used a very pure cannabinoid or CBD uh, part of the story or part of the equation, it did seem to have some impact on not allowing virus to break through the actual cell membrane, so get into the cell. If it can't get into the cell, it can't replicate and can't uh, uh, keep moving forward. So this was a very interesting study, but but well, of course there's always a but to this. It was done in a, in a test tube, and uh, the studies, the best studies we have, are in mice, not in humans. We have a huge lack of of science in this area, even though it might show some potential. So nothing's been done in regards to using the CBD with mice then at this point to see whether it actually will help us down the road? Yeah, it seems to help an animal model, but small animal model, and it's yet to be really tested fully in humans. So... You'd think they'd be all over it, went down a bit of a it, rabbit though. hole on this one, just to see how much research. And there are small trials being started in Israel. There's been small trials started in humans in different places. But we are two years in. We should have had a large study at this point, not just small animal mod study. So this is a bit disappointing sort of from a, a scientific point of view. Like if there is some promise, I, I was hoping we'd see a little bit more human data on this. Yeah, absolutely. But like we've talked about with science, we're always changing and morphing, and I guess we'll see. And uh, hey, at least we're on the path, I guess, if you want to be optimistic about things. Thanks so much, Dr. Jablonski. Hey, you betcha. It's Dr. Ted Jablonski, our on-call family physician. 
All right. Have you topped up your TFSA and RRSP? Are you making moves to meet your financial goals in 2022? Well, this morning, we're going to help to get you a little bit more on track, perhaps, and head you towards financial freedom with some advice and tips from best-selling author and personal finance educator, Kelly Keene. Hi, Kelly. Thanks for joining us. Good morning, Sue and Andy. Always great to be with you. Thank you for being back with us. And we are heading towards income tax time, Kelly. So your thoughts, is now the time? Are we a little late or is better late than never kind of the idea as we start thinking about where and what we're going to invest in as we head towards income tax time? Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, there's always, it's always a great time to plan. Uh, That's for sure. Now, generally, what you've done the year before is going to affect your taxes come this year. But... That doesn't mean that you shouldn't be scouring for every possible deduction or, um, you know, anything that you can offset your taxes with. And the biggest one is definitely, or one of the biggest ones, is definitely your RSP. But, uh, you know, as juicy as that tax deduction can be, you really want to make sure that it is the right thing for you to go into because we know that if you take that money out, other than for your, you know, if you're buying a home for the first time or going back to school, uh, you are taxed heavily. So you really want to make sure it is the right thing to be in. So, yeah, let's talk about that and and break down the, the comparison between our RSPs and the other big one that we've, it's been around for quite some time, but people are more so getting on board the TFSAs. If you can tell us the, the the bonuses and maybe some of the negatives between the two, how do I choose, Kelly? You bet. This is such, um, it creates so much confusion for Canadians. And here's also something that I wish the government would have put more thought into is the naming of the TFSA. So when you hear tax-free savings account and you see the banks advertising, you know, 1%, 1.5%, you say, ah, forget it. Why would you want to go in something earning so little? That's not what it is. So let's break it down. Now, think of the tax-free savings account and your RSP as a garage. You still need to put cars in your garage. Now, and those are investments. If your cars are sitting on the street, you've got stocks, bonds, mutual funds, ETFs. If they're not in a garage, they're just hanging out on the street, you pay tax on them every year or when you sell them. If they're in these garages, they get special tax treatment. So in the RSP, it grows tax deferred. That means you don't pay any tax on it till you take it out. Again, the cars, though, can be stocks, bonds, mutual funds, ETFs, you name it. Crypto, lots of different stuff. You get a tax uh, deduction based on your marginal tax rate. So what that means is the more you earn, the, the greater your tax uh, refund. But what you want to consider is you don't take out of that garage until retirement or you're heavily taxed. Now, let's go to the other garage, which is the tax-free savings account. And yes, it can be a savings account in that garage, but you can also put stocks, bonds, mutual funds, ETFs, and so much more, truly gross tax-free. You can take it out any time. And guys, there's such a big difference between investing and savings. And, and it's estimated that people that do have tax-free savings accounts, about 
45% of them are sitting in cash. Mm. So if that's you, you really want to dig into that because you're not fully maximizing your opportunity if you're just your money's just sitting around in cash. You're not even beating inflation. Kelly, is it a good idea to take out a loan to to get into the RSP or the TFSA in you know in hopes that, or in knowledge hopefully that you're going to get money back, you can pay it back to the loan? Okay, very good question. Now, when it comes to the TFSA, Generally speaking, you wouldn't take a loan out to go into it uh, because there's no tax deduction. There's no reason that um, you would necessarily take a loan out. Now, that's a whole other conversation if you did. But with the RSP, yes, that could be an excellent strategy, especially if if you are, um, you know, sitting as a high-income earner or, you know, you've got a reasonable amount of income, but you have nothing to put away, but you could manage an RSP, the payment for the loan, that could give you a sizable tax deduction, but you, you want to make sure you don't go on a shopping spree, <laughs> that, 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 you know, tax refund actually goes to pay down the loan. But yes, that could be an excellent strategy. So talk to your banker, your financial advisor, or you can get on an online calculator and you might be pleasantly surprised that, wow, you take out this five-year loan, um, maybe cost you a couple of hundred bucks a month and see what your wealth will have amassed to um, that can be really exciting as opposed to sometimes the overwhelming, confusing part that I know a lot of people find themselves in. Mm-hmm. Again, again, we're not exactly right on top of you know, tax time, but uh, the importance, and I know you have a little bias, uh, Kelly, but the importance of talking to a financial educator, a financial planner, or, or even a tax accountant versus doing it on your own if you have questions. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I do love pros. I mean, I use pros when it comes to my health, if it's uh, a nutritionist or a personal trainer. Uh, I mean, I have my own financial support. I can't imagine doing it totally myself. Uh, But, I mean, yes, you can absolutely DIY it, uh, but you really want to make sure you're spending the time to do that so you're not missing out because... So many people are missing out on these, you know, tax deductions uh, and deferrals. And when it comes to tax season, March 1st is the deadline for the RRSP. So, yes, we are talking about this a little bit early. It's not quite February. Tomorrow we're hitting kind of the beginning of RSP season, but a great time to look at it because you still have a whole month to figure out if that's maybe a great way to slash a tax bill if that's what you're facing or just get a nice refund. Excellent. Thank you so much, Kelly. Always love chatting with you. Thanks. Have a great day. You too. Thanks. Kelly Keene is a best-selling author and a personal finance educator. You can get more online at her website, and it's Kelly with an E-Y, K-E-L-L-E-Y, Keene, K-E-E-H-N.com. This is Motivational Monday, a chance to get you motivated today and beyond. Joining us this morning is LGBTQ2S Plus Youth Coach at Inch by Inch Empowerment, Amy Hutton. Good morning, Amy. Hey, thanks for joining us. Good morning, Sue and Andy. Hello. Thank you for being here. Now, Amy, I know you work specifically with youth to help mm-hmm. them live their true, authentic selves and lives. So how did you end up working in that space? What got you there? Yeah, well, when I came out to myself in 2018, I remember all those feelings of fear, feeling like I was alone, feeling like I was an alien in my own body, and I didn't know who to turn to, really, even though I had friends in the community. And so working with youth, they don't have as much support I've been finding as adults, especially the 11 to 14 age. 
that structure, Amy, of, of being 11 to 14, for example, you're on the precipice, maybe not so much at 11, but by the time you get in your mid-teens, you're kind of expected to know exactly where your life mm. is going, what the next step will be. And I remember it to be quite daunting. And I can only imagine the intricacies in 2022 of being that age. True. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so, so as far as, you know, you don't want to handhold, but you want to be there for them. What sorts of strategies do you use when it comes to decision-making and you know, feeling like yourself in your own skin? Uh, well, there's three things that, you know, I always say to people, regardless of their age and who they are and all that jazz, and it is be brave, be bold, and be yourself. So let's break that down a little bit. Obviously, you know, you have to be able to be brave and be honest about who you are. But why are those three things so particularly important to youth? But I mean, to all of us, obviously, because it holds true for everyone, but for youth particularly. Yeah. So being brave is doing the things that scare you, doing the things that you want to do, but maybe you're afraid of and going to doing it anyways and not always worrying about, you know, what the outcome might be, but you know you want to do it and you're afraid to do it. Now, uh, number two, we say be bold, and that is tough. But I, I'm guessing that, you know, bold comes after being brave. Is that the case? It is. And, yeah, being bold is, like, saying something, speaking up for something. If you see someone being bullied or you see someone um, doing something that isn't right, like stand up and speak your truth and tell somebody that that is wrong. And ultimately that allows us all, if you're brave and you can be bold, to then be yourself and be your true self and and be proud of who you are. And it it can be quite a path to get to that point. Yeah, oh, for sure. And, you know, being yourself is, as I mentioned a moment ago, like speaking your truth and being okay with that. And even if your knees are knocking and your teeth are chattering, speak your truth and live your truth of who you are everywhere. And I think a lot of the times, you know, you, you're not sure who a, you know, a safe uh, contact will be uh, as a youth. It doesn't depend. It, it doesn't even matter, uh, you know, your background or what you're going through, but you want to have that safety. And, and an incredible stat that you brought to our attention was about the kids help phone and the mm-hmm. increase in calls in uh, 2020 spring of 2020. Uh, something like that is so valuable. So you can tell if you can tell us why you put faith in the kids help phone and about that anonymity, uh, you know, component. Yeah, so the statistic about the kids help phone is uh, in spring 2020, the call volume jumped 300% that kids were calling in. And the main reason they were calling in was because of isolation and mental health issues and anxiety and such. And this is important because I know growing up, the kids help phone was like invented in the 1980s. And it's been a staple in the country for many years now. And uh, it's such a valuable resource, and I don't think kids today really know about it because you don't see it advertised or hear it advertised anymore. We need to make sure they know it's available, and you know that there are there there is help no matter your age for sure, but youth particularly. And obviously, with you working with youth, what do you when you you know you can teach things directed at any age group? So how do you keep young people, for example, motivated and moving forward? Ah, uh, I. When I work with youth, it's a lot of more experiential listening, experiential learning, and um, I hold space and I just let them talk. And whatever comes out of their mouth is perfectly okay and I'm a safe person. And that safe person aspect, Amy, and it's interesting because, yeah, your focus is LGBTQ2S plus youth. (laughs) 
But to, to a large extent, it goes right across the gamut in the sense that I think so many teens and preteens are just afraid to talk to their parents about something serious, aren't they? They are. And I learned another interesting thought. I took a course on prevention of suicide for youth and children. And uh, when I took the children one, which was 14 and under, the uh, teacher told us that a youth chooses, chooses their safe person to go to. And when that youth comes to you as their safe person, your main role is to steer them to safety. It's a great reminder, I think, for all of us, for youth particularly. They've had a rough go in the last couple of years, but all of us really have, have suffered through this pandemic, whether it be mental health or, you know, jobs or anything like that. So mm-hmm. if you can, you know, if you could share a message to any youth who might be listening or parents or grandparents that can pass it along to the young people in their lives in order to get people motivated on this Monday, what's your overall thing that you might say to them? I'm just be yourself and be okay being yourself and know that you're not alone and there are people out there who are ready and willing to be that listening ear for you good stuff thank you so much for your time amy we appreciate it thank you so much andy and sue have a great day amy hutton lgbtq 2s plus youth coach at inch by inch empowerment on facebook you can search up inch by inch empowerment and on linkedin as well it's interesting to me because the, the greatest takeaway there with, with Amy and what she said, um, and it, this sounds incredibly sexist, but it, it should go to every man out there, but it isn't. It, it, I'm going to you know, qualify that. It isn't sexist in any relationship. The listening aspect, because I, I, as much as I, I listen, maybe sometimes I don't hear because I'm willing to uh, bring up my thoughts and bring up a, a solution to a problem mm-hmm. versus, okay, you're here to... Just no, no, hearing. No, and, and just to be there. And have that open ear. And that's something I need to work on. And I would think not only in a relationship with a spouse, but with kids. And so often what they're saying, these teens, sometimes it's so mundane. And it's, yeah, it's, so it's hard video, to listen to sometimes, yeah, but it's important clothes. to them, right? Yeah, yeah so you. if you're not listening about the clothes and the, excuse my language, stupid videos that they want you to watch. <laughs> but the, that's their lives, their world. Yeah, and if they think you're not listening then, they might not think you're listening when they have yeah. something serious to say. Great point. Great. I, I love the tips. Be brave, be bold, be yourself. I think it applies to any age and super important to remember. Hopefully that motivates you a little bit moving forward. Thanks for downloading and listening to the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review for free at Apple Podcast, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcasts. And tune in to Mornings with Sue and Andy from 530 to 9 every weekday morning on 770 CHQR.